The good news is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 38 through 48. The disciple named John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him. No one who does a deed of power in my name can easily turn around and speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. This is the gospel? The good news of God's love? Where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. I didn't warn you all it would be a brimstone sermon this morning, but that's where the lectionary has led us. The lectionary is a shared set of readings by churches around the world that helps walk us through the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in three different years. Last week we heard from just before this chapter, just before this story, in the same chapter of the gospel of Mark, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, saying, those who welcome a child welcome me while the disciples are off in the corner arguing about who is the greatest, right after Jesus has told them that what it means to be the Son of Man is to suffer and die. It's a long story of the disciples just not getting it. What do you do when someone you dearly, dearly love, for the disciples surely were ones that Jesus loved and cared about, trusted, had brought alongside him to learn from him and then to spread the good news. What do you do when they just don't get it? This is Hildegard. <laughs> Michelle keeps saying I can't bring my dog to church, so she's at home. Hildegard is technically Michelle's dog. She rescued her because she had been returned to the shelter three times in 24 hours. Right? You can see why someone picked her up. Like, look at that face. However, Hildegard is a mini poodle Shih Tzu mix. And if you've ever worked with any kind of dog that's related to a poodle, you might know the story that's coming. Poodles are very smart and very anxious. Hildegard has to be locked, not just like a slide lock, but actually has to have a twist lock put on her kennel so that she cannot escape when we are gone. Hildegard screams if you leave the room without her. Hildegard nearly broke her own leg the other night because she was so excited to see me that as I walked, her leg got caught between my toes and I tripped on her. Hildegard is, is a good dog, 
But sometimes the way she shows love is a little less than good. And so sometimes I look down at her and I say, Hildegard, I am going to turn you into soup. always trying to use my kindest voice because one of the pastors when I was growing up taught me that the way we talk is much more important than what we actually say. His metaphor was about cats, but I think it works for dogs and for humans. And every now and then when she is just howling at the top of her lungs because a shadow passed by in the alley, I say, Hildegard, I am going to put you in a box and ship you to Mexico. Now, I would never do either of these things, never, much as I might sometimes be tempted. And sometimes when I look into Hildegard's anxious little eyes that just want to be loved and just want to show love, but her poor little puppy dog brain is so broken and anxious that she can't do it in a way that I can receive with grace or that she can't do without inevitably destroying something in the house, I think maybe this is how we correct people whom we love. Maybe when Jesus is, you can just go back to the sermon. Thanks, Erica. Much as I want to just stare at her eyes the whole time. Maybe this is why Jesus is so frustrated with his disciples. Maybe like me as a dog mom, he's gritting his teeth and going, I don't actually want this to happen. But if I hear of one more of you getting in the way of an exorcism, I am going to tie a rock around your neck and throw you in the sea. Maybe it was never meant to be a literal reading, but it's instead Jesus white-knuckling his frustration through disciples that just keep not getting it. Maybe Jesus is not envisioning for his disciples that they will enter eternal life, handless or footless or eyeless, but rather that he is at the end of his rope and he is frustrated. And so he has reached into deep hyperbole with his anger. Maybe. At the same time, I hear in Jesus' frustration, the frustration of so many people who have advocated for these little ones. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones, Jesus says, Remember that just a few verses before, Jesus has put a child in the midst of the disciples and says, whoever welcomes a child like this in my name welcomes me. It's possible that he's pointing to the same child. If you put a stumbling block before this little child who believes in me, if you tell someone who is exercising demons, who is freeing people from spiritual and physical entrapment, oh, you, aren't fo- you might be following Jesus, but you're not following us. I would rather have a rock around your neck if you are getting in the way of these precious little ones. We hear the echoes of the raging prophets in so many parts of the scriptures, and the prophets of our time, too, who grow frustrated with systems of violence and say, I wish the violence you do would be put back onto you. We see it in people advocating for some kind of humane processes at the border, raging and gnashing their teeth at the idea that Gitmo might be reopened, at the idea that there are mounted police on horseback chasing down Haitians with whips. 
we can hear that same kind of anger, can't we? How dare you be a stumbling block? How dare you stop people? It's a heartbroken anger. It might not be Jesus speaking in hyperbole, but Jesus speaking through tears. And sometimes we too are invited to cry out against powers that abuse. When we remember, for example, this week on September 30th, as Canada and now parts of the US recognize Orange Shirt Day, a day when people wear orange as a remembrance of the many indigenous children taken from their families and forced through residential schools, either lost to the school where they were not well treated and cared for and physically died, or were lost in the sense that they were taken from their families, divorced from their spiritual communities and the traditions and cultures that had nurtured their people. Perhaps we, see, we hear Jesus' anger against the racism in the past of our country, those who were stealing children away from their families. I wish you'd instead had a rock tied around your neck. And, and. Jesus is speaking truth to power, to his disciples who have the power to exercise and heal and who are preventing others. But we need to also hear the times when Jesus speaks to what is hurting ourselves. There are times and things that we hold on to are keeping us from grabbing on to life for us. I'm currently reading Kate Bowler's newest book, um, her first, well, not her first book. Kate writes a lot of books, but the book that uh, launched her to fame and made the New York Times bestseller list was Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved about her journey from becoming a uh, theology professor at Duke University who specialized in the prosperity gospel in American history to a woman with stage four cancer who was given a 14% chance of making it two years. That was four years ago. Her newest book is No Cure for Being Human and other truths I need to hear, in which she traces more of her medical process, talks about having a fight with the director of the gift shop at the hospital about which books were appropriate to sell to people going through um, major illnesses and which were not. But she talks so much about how badly we want to have control over our lives, to believe that if we hustle hard enough, if we pray well enough, if we control at least this thing, then we'll have what we want. Maybe the more we hold on to that, it becomes like a rock that's drowning us. Maybe when Jesus is saying, I wish you'd see that, the, I wish you'd have a rock around your neck, he is saying, I wish you'd see you've already tied one on. You're already struggling against things that you hold to. For his disciples, a belief that they're the ones who know what's right and anyone else, if they're not following the disciples, are wrong. For Moses, the frustration of feeling like he has to carry all the people, and God grants him 70 other leaders to carry them. For us, in all our different ways, holding on to something that actually keeps suffocating us. What's it like to let go? What's it like for America to recognize the way it still holds on to its racist past and history? and to let go and to begin to nurture the children in its midst? 
What's it like for each of us to give up on holding frantically to believing our worth is in our career? Or if only we go to therapy one more time, we'll perfect this marriage? Or as long as our kids do X, Y, and Z, then we'll know we've done it right? When we keep holding on and all we feel is suffocation, maybe Jesus is whispering in our ear, not, I'm going to turn you into soup, but rather, honey, you're holding onto a stone and it's drowning you. What good will it do you to enter eternal life with that stone still in your hands? Let go. Let go. Let go so that the fire can be quenched. Let go so that you can breathe again. When there are things we hold on to so fiercely that they suffocate ourselves or the people around us, maybe Jesus is whispering today, not, I'm going to pack you in a box and ship you to Mexico, or, I truly wish you'd be tied to a millstone and thrown into the sea, but perhaps Jesus is whispering, it's okay to let go and grab on to a burden that is much lighter, much easier, much greater to carry, a burden in which we are freed in God and freed to care for each other. Amen.